welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. Adriel, this is our 225th episode. I know. It's so exciting. What a big number to hit. I know. It almost feels like yesterday that we were at episode one. <laughs> so to get at 225, um, it's not effortless at all, but sometimes it feel, feels effortless, which is quite nice. Yeah, it goes by so fast. And I'm really excited about today's guest. Do you know who Jackie Aina is? Yeah, she's a super major influencer. Yes, she is amazing. If you don't follow her, you definitely need to. Um, Today on the show, we have her fiance, who is also her CEO of Forever Mood, uh, Dennis Asamwa. Um, And he kind of gave us a peek into the behind the scenes, um, what it's like just like dealing with influencers and being the co-founder of this company. So he was really fun to chat with. Yeah. um, Dennis's background is so fascinating. He's such a career in nurturing talent. Um, You can just like check out his LinkedIn to get more details after you listen to the episode. And I love talking to him because, you know, after so many years of nurturing talent and a variety of startups, here he is in his own company again with a very different purpose, a different focus, and he gets to put those um, methods to the test with his team. And we just had a really great conversation. And everyone has to check out um, our Instagram after show because we played a very funny game about um, his favorite sport, which is football or, you know, it is soccer. Yes, it was so fun. Definitely check out that game. Um, check him out on LinkedIn. He has so much great knowledge to share for anyone who's trying to get into kind of that influencer content creator scene. So should we get after it? Let's do it. All right. Without further ado, Dennis Asamwa, co-founder of Forever Mood, episode 225. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Eleni, your executive producer of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. I am so excited to introduce this season's headline event partner, Beauty Tech and Innovation Summit, which happens this March 1st and 2nd in San Francisco. Attendees will discuss the latest science, innovations, and technologies that are revolutionizing the beauty and personal care industry. Learn from 40-plus industry speakers and 200-plus beauty and tech experts. Are you going? Find the link on wherebrainsmebeauty.com and use our code BASE10 for 10% off your registration fee. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. If there is anything more exciting than the first show of the year, it's getting to kick off the new year with back-to-back guests. Our second guest of our C-suite theme is Dennis Asamwa, co-founder and CEO of BuzzUp and co-founder of Forever Mood alongside his fiance, Jackie Aina. Dennis is a passionate advisor to creators and helps turn their influence into a business. Dennis's mission is to empower more creators of color to follow their dreams and launch brands. Dennis's story is an inspirational one, proving that with goals, confidence, and hard work, you can build the skills necessary to be a strong and successful leader. To keep up to date on the amazing work Dennis is up to, follow him at Forever Mood and also at BuzzUpCo on Instagram. And please welcome Dennis to the show. Thank you, Dennis, for joining. Thank you, Jody. So, um, you know, this is a career journey show. We're going to get to hear a lot about your journey, but we're going to start way, 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 way back to your 11-year-old self. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're tapping into the dreams of your 11-year-old Dennis, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes, football. <clears throat> I was a big football fan. Um, my parents watched it all the time. I actually grew up next to a big football stadium. Funny enough, it's a rival of my, I don't actually support them, which was the strange thing. My dad supported the rival club, but they were very local to us. Um, but yeah, I always wanted to be a football player. I watched it all the time. So that's how it started initially. 
but I was never good enough to make it to the professional top league. How old are you when you realize that you're not going to have a life of a professional football player? <laughs> I would say about 15, 16. Like, that's when you know you're going to make it. Most people make it by then are playing for like a top club. And I knew that this is not for me. Let me try something different. Okay, so what did your mind go to? So naturally, just selling. I just felt like I was good with my words. I was good with negotiating. I was good selling stuff. So naturally, I was like, okay, what, is, what can I do that involves selling things? Um, and what was the first thing you sold? I would say um, the most common thing was just typically sweets and drinks at school, getting it for a low price and then selling at a high price. So just finding products that were in high demand and then being able to capitalize on that. And do you feel like you actually like put money in your pocket doing that back then? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I had to because um, like when I was young, didn't really, family and background, we didn't really come from a lot. So naturally, I had to make ends meet and look at ways to generate revenue so I can have packed lunches for school and stuff. So um, to do this job, and you know, I know I'm going way back to your teen years, you have to lay out the cash for you know the candy or the soda or whatever, and hope to make more back at the end of the day. Right? Yeah. So there's um, there's true risk involved, right? Significant risk, especially yeah. you know if the stakes are high if that's all your pocket money. Um, do you remember being phased by that risk? No, because I, I think I was willing to not eat. That that was the great thing. It was like, hey, you know what? If I don't eat, then I want then I want me to make the money. So it was like knowing that I was willing to do whatever it took to try and make more and gain more. So it was like, hey, okay, well, let's try my best to turn this one pound, we call it, I know you guys call it dollars, but one pound into maybe three pounds, which is a huge difference at the time um, when I was young. It made a big, big difference. That's a very nice ROAS, right? We didn't call it that back then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, there's... um, I, I find myself being seduced by success. And, you know, it's kind of what you're talking about, like taking $1 and turning it into three. Um, once you get that little taste in your mouth for like making something like that happen, it's hard for me to stop wanting it and working for, you know, harder and longer. Um, do you find yourself getting seduced by, you know, these wins in your career? Yeah, it's definitely um, fulfilling. And it kind of like pushes you to do more. So if you can turn it to three, let's, uh, let's aim for five, let's aim for seven. So that, I think naturally that helped me along my way when it came to always wanting to go above and beyond and achieve targets and be the best version of myself. Let's talk about leadership and networking because you've actually made a career out of helping people learn how to network, right? And advance their careers. Yeah. Um, you know, there's um, people who are advancing their careers in other industries, and you're actually the industry of advancing one's career, right? So it's a fascinating place to be. Um, you know, I guess it's a bit of a coaching and management. So tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in that world and guiding other people in their careers. Yeah, so for me, um, when I was young, um, I was very fortunate enough to be given an opportunity to get a job in investment banking. And at the time, I didn't even have the grades for it. I didn't even know, like... I didn't even know there was this whole big corporate world. Like for me, just being born and living in one area at Tottenham, which is where I grew up in, um, I didn't know anything but that. I didn't even know. I was like, hey, there's, that's where I live and that's where everything happens. But then seeing seeing the world and seeing the opportunities that existed outside of my environment that I was comfortable and was only aware of, I was like, wow, I can actually do more. And I learned so much and it gave me so many opportunities that I wanted to return that back to other graduates and young people that were maybe growing up in a similar environment and didn't get opportunities that they were aware of. Um, 
So what I did in university is set up a graduate and young professional network called the NetLocation. And what we did was simply um, organize events where we had key corporates um, and, and young people connect and meet together so they can learn key skills so they can get jobs like them and also help them get um, experiences and learn and understand what it took to do the job roles that they were doing. So that was great. And I learned so much and I managed to partner up with companies like Deloitte, KPMG, a lot of the big corporates. So that was a great experience. And we did even went went on to do even other events where we had like maybe professional mortgage brokers come and give advice on how to get a mortgage or financial advisors. So it was really good just from a growth and learning about opportunities that were available to graduates at the time. So you're a natural connector. Yes, I would like. I'll call it. I'll call it that. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, some people call it networking, but I never knew what that word meant. I thought networking meant like seeing you as a potential client and like looking at you like you're a piece of steak and like attacking. <laughs> like I just really didn't know until somebody explained to me. No, it's just about like meeting people you like and you know, kind of putting them in your in your bank in your brain, and you know, when there's an opportunity, you know, connecting them to it. So it sounds like that's just like, how you how your brain is working all the yeah, time. Yeah, and initially I never even saw it as a career, which was strange and. I was like, even like being a people's person, is that a skill set? I used to question them things, but I think these are so fundamental um, in everyday business and life. So um, I want to talk about how you leverage all your experiences across your career because you've had other um, roles that are, you know, networking and mentorship roles um, and, and businesses that you started. Now you're running Forever Mood, which is, you know, kind of like the hot new thing, yeah. right? And like everybody's talking yeah. about it. It's, you know, really um, transformative, I think, in many ways for the industry. And you're, you're really at the center of what's happening in this entrepreneurial space and fragrance and beauty. So here you have this growing business that you can infuse with all of your leadership points of view, right? And disciplines. What are you bringing from the past jobs that you've had in your previous businesses to Forever Mood that's impacting the way people learn, the way people, you know, interact in the culture and how they grow in their careers? Yeah. So with the Forever Mood team, I think we have a culture of being very collaborative, giving people the opportunity to be entrepreneurial. I, I, I encourage my team and everyone in our team to be proactive and come up with ideas and never feel like they can't have a voice. I think that's so and fundamental to me that like I don't want to be a manager or a leader that um, also just um, just you know what I mean micromanaging them I should say, as they call it where you just turn them oh yeah and you're just sitting over them let them be themselves and do their best work and then also too um, one thing that I've learned is that never ask someone never I've, I've learned that my principle is that I wouldn't ask someone to do something that I'm not willing to do. I'm happy to get my hands dirty. So um, if it means like even this, I've been going to the warehouse, getting my hands dirty, packing boxes and doing whatever it takes. And then sometimes I'm in a board meeting and whatever it is, I, I don't, there's no, I always say this, there's no job too small, too big. And it's something that I just um, encourage my, my whole team to do as well. I love that. It makes me think of um, in my own business, I am often the person like cleaning out the fridge of like people's mm. old food yeah. and throwing it away. And I recently had the privilege of replacing the cartridges in our water filter 
um, and flooding the kitchen. So, you know, there, there really is those glamorous moments yeah. surrounding the business. And then there's the, the kind of filthy, dirty yeah. moments. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And for me, I don't know. I've just been one of the people where like, if I see something dirty, I will, I would just do it myself. I know in hindsight, as you grow and you get a team, you hire people to help do certain things. I'm not saying it, but I just still naturally, if I just see things, I just want to show that I'm willing to get my help so like if i'm in the warehouse and people are doing production and i know there's boxes and they put like imagine them walking and you can see that they need help i wouldn't just stand there and just walk away i would literally get my hands and be like hey let me help you as well so naturally um always as i said put your hands out and being willing to help and when it comes to forever mood team what i love about everyone and um everyone's contribution is that literally everyone's a go-getter and i love that everyone's just getting things done it's not like I don't even like calling it like typical nine to five. It's like get your stuff done. That's the most important thing. I, I don't I don't really look at it like that. It's like we get results done. That's the most important thing. So um, let's talk about like ambition um, in your organization. You know, it sounds like you're a high performance company, right? Everybody's expected to you know perform, get the job done, right? There's probably not a lot of room for um, you know I'll use the word lazy or you know something like that. Um, and then we have this like culture happening outside of this quiet quitting and people, you know, just sort of wanting, like really choosing to take and think the easy way out um, to me, which is just super sad. But, um, you know, how, how do you inspire your team or like, what do you do when you see a team member that's like, actually just like not the right fit, like who who's not um, yes. ready to be ambitious? That's a good question. Um, as a saying, hopefully I say it right, that you can't, help someone if they're not willing to help themselves like you can try I always I think my first approach is to when I see that someone may be slacking or something or um they don't want to you know I mean push themselves I would always be very forefront and say hey look I feel like you could do more they this is some of the areas and just kind of understand maybe where they're coming from and maybe understand maybe there's a reason maybe they're having personal stuff at home you never know so for me I never from the instance going be like oh you're not working or i'm like i try and understand and get to know them from a deeper level um and understand okay maybe they're going through something and then encouraging them and giving them tasks to do to see if they can perform so i think that's the first approach and of course if you see it not working you see multiple red flags i think naturally you should um, act and take the necessary steps because i think even me sometimes um I have this nature of, you know what I mean? You're always seeing the best and always hoping that things are going to change. But sometimes it's not, not everything's for, it's not meant for everyone. So someone might not be meant for this and it's okay. And you can just encourage them to do something that they want to do and desire. Yeah. As an entrepreneur, it's, um, first of all, really important that we remember that not, not everybody is the owner creator of the company, right? So they're like, their starting position is different than ours. Right, like you wake up in the yeah. morning and you're thinking about the business. You go to sleep at night and you're thinking about the business. You wake uh, up in the middle of the night and you think about the business. Yeah. Right, you're on vacation. You think about the business. It's just like, you, like we don't expect that of our team members, but we do expect them to contribute, right, and have a passion. So I've got a question for you because that's a very good question because you can't feel sorry for yourself. You really can't. You that is the position that you're in. You are the owner of the business and you've got to be responsible. You you can't like even if it's holidays or something. It's like hey. These are holidays. You can't expect um, the same thing that you want for because it's a different thing. All you could do is motivate and encourage. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've noticed that speaking to other entrepreneurs and stuff, sometimes 
they feel sorry for themselves and you can't, <laughs> you just got to just get, keep, keep it moving. It's like, hey, you've got work to do. Well, I, um, I'm okay with, I guess I accept and um, expect, accept and expect that no one else is going to think about my company is the way that I do. And that's, that's the way it should be. Um, I don't want my team thinking about this on vacation. I don't want them thinking about it in the middle of the night. I want them to have their lives. Um, it's just the hours between nine and five is when I want them to kill it. Right. And just like, go for it. That's it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the key. What you just said, as long as you know, they're delivering when it matters, that's the most important thing. And then, yeah, it's, um, it is hard though, when you, um, want someone to work out and it's not working out. Um, and I think that's just really also true for scaling companies, right? Because you have to hire probably in bursts. So do you have any advice for other entrepreneurs about, um, you know, hiring practices and how, you know, how to make sure that the talent that you're going to spend time um, teaching and growing and training is actually going to be the right people? Like in terms of how to hire the right people? Yeah. Um, I feel, firstly, I think so far I've done a good job. We've got a great team. <laughs> We've got a great team of Asha, Davi. Um, they've been great. Um, new Ali. Um, these are recent hires that have been really, really great. And so I think I've got a good record. Um, obviously not a hundred percent record, but um, a pretty good record. But no, in terms of hiring, I would say that it ultimately it comes down to um, is 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 a feeling, is an energy. You can't always get it right. Like there's no um, one size fits all answer. Like it's a feeling, and I. And I maybe obviously I have key questions and things I look for in a person, but always you can feel the energy if it feels right. I, I just give it a shot. And I think that one thing I've learned is that is you hire quickly and fire quickly. If you see the signs, don't wait around. I think that's something that I even me I'm learning is like if you don't see it working, trying to trying to make it work. Sometimes it's just you're making it worse. Yeah, you know, we I just um kind of went through this this past year. I desperately wanted a role to work out for someone. Um, and it's been a hard role to fill and a very important one. And I just didn't want I didn't want to see it, right? I didn't want the I didn't <laughs> I didn't want the truth to be the truth, right? So I was like trying right. And That's I was like trying to do like I don't know. I was <laughs> I was like I was like enabling it. You just you don't want to accept it. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to accept it. And you want and let's say when you've got a good heart, you just naturally want to see it work. But, um, you know, I have to listen to the universe and, you know, um, sometimes it's just time to move on and release that person for something that's a better fit. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not easy. Sometimes um, we just want it to be easy and that's just not the journey we're on. Yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, working with content creators. Um, you know, certainly you're um, partnered with, one, you know, a very well-known one. I'm sure you work with many content creators. Yeah. Um, we probably have yeah. aspiring or current content creators listening in today on this podcast. You know, what would your advice be for creating success for yourself as a creator for people who have started but are not seeing the traction that they're hoping for? I would say the first thing is um, try your best to not copy and replicate. There's a reason why there's one Jackie Aina. There's a reason why there's one Darman. There's a reason why there's one Mr. Beast. Um, I think it's important. You, everyone's inspired by different things and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you should focus on things you can control. Um, and naturally, sometimes we, as creators, and I'm just speaking to a number of creators, the frustration with the algorithm forever changing. And you're like, one minute you're getting a lot of views and next you're not. And I always encourage people to focus on things that they can do. So you can you can control how many videos you upload. You can control the type of videos you upload. And rather than putting targets that says I have to have a million views, it puts unnecessary pressure on you. So my, my encouragement is to one, um, 
put together like key deliverables for things that you know is under your control to do something that you love because you know, it's going to be times where it's going to be hard times and you're going to be frustrated. But when you continue to do things you love, that's the most important thing. And you're going to feel you're going to feel good. Um, I, I love what you mentioned because I do feel like chasing the data is sometimes um, suffocating. Right. I mean, I even see it, you know, with, through the work that we do with clients, it can really consume you. Um, but if you're focused on yeah. this is the story that I want to tell the world and I'm happy to do it every day, whether people, you know, two people see it or 2000 people see it, um, you'll um, yeah. be in it for the long haul. And, that, and it's really the passage of time that um, and the continuity and the consistency that is what pays off in the end. It is. It is. And I think naturally. We're in a new generation. Like previously, when you talk to the OG creators, like I'm talking about the YouTubers and stuff, they would tell you like they didn't start it because they thought they were going to make a career out of this or make money. Naturally, they were just doing it because it's, it, felt, it filled a hole in their life. They enjoyed doing it. And then actually it became a career. But now in this generation now, they see the success that comes with it. So a lot of them just want that instant, quick success. So, And it leads to a lot of disappointment because... It's not easy. It's really not easy. Well, um, Dennis, I'm so excited that you're on the show and that you got to share this wisdom with our fans. You are our 225th episode of our show. I'm so Amazing. grateful that you spent the time with us today. Well, congrats to you. That's that shows the consistency what I'm talking about as a content creator. You've got to, you know, I mean, be there and show up. So congrats to you and thank, thank you for you. inviting me. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. And this concludes our second episode of the year. Thank you all for joining us. Join us on February 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern with our guest, Maureen Kelly. She's the founder and CEO of Tarte Beauty. And as always, make sure you're following us on Instagram to stay up to date on the upcoming lives and all the fun we have along the way. Thanks so much, Dennis. Thank you, Jody. Take care. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.